Welcome to Any Scene Now, a podcast designed to dive into all aspects of the Northeast Conference. I'm Sam Barber, and today we have a very exciting guest on the show today. He is the head men's and women's cross-country coach at Mount St. Mary's, as well as the head men's and women's indoor and outdoor track and field distance coach at the Mount, Chris Fitzsimons. Fitzsimons has rebranded the Mountaineers into yearly contenders in the NEC and to win trophies in all three running seasons. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Hope you're doing well during this uh, interesting time. Yes, definitely. Um, how has the pandemic been uh, treating you, your family? Um, have you been cooped up at all? Uh, it's been, yeah, been good so far. Um, nothing too crazy. Everyone's healthy. Um, but other than that, yeah, just kind of normal day-to-day figuring out how we'll uh, be able to return to campus this fall and have a season. Now, of course, you've, you've only sort of been in the college ranks um, as a coach for a, a short period of time. You came to the program in 2016, uh, really sort of, I guess at square one to say, trying to turn around the program's past fortunes. How did you approach changing the format and sort of the mindset of the team not only from the day-to-day practices, but also to the competitions and especially the um, championship competitions? Yeah. um, I mean, coming in in 2016, I was pretty much a recent grad. So I was, I think I was 24 maybe. So there, I mean, there was kids on the team that were two years younger than me. So um, it was definitely, it wasn't easy coming in, um, trying to create uh, culture of basically showing up every day, doing what you can do to get better. Because coming in, it's not like I replaced anybody. It was a newly created position. Um, the previous distance position was a part-time role. He was doing everything he could, and he had some very solid solid performances over the years. But then coming in, yeah, it was just about basically the first step for most of the team was showing up six to seven days a week, waking mm-hmm. up for Sunday for long run. It uh, Obviously, coming in, there were kids that were super dedicated, um, but they were in the minority. Um, we're now, we're in, I think if you're not dedicated, you're in the minority. So that's definitely changed over the years. And then also like you kind of touched on a little bit, the mindset of thinking we deserve to be there on the start line at the championship. I mean, the year before I came here, the women were dead last. They were 10th last two years. They finished fourth. So it's just, I think the mindset of believing they deserve to be on the line and they compete can compete with everybody else in the conference, um, has definitely been a 180 degree turn. It's been, been great to see. Continuing with like the whole mindset aspect of being a coach, did you see the like changing the team mindset or in um, individuals' mindsets to be more of a challenge? Which one? I would say uh, it's kind of, I kind of viewed it like almost a waterfall effect. Like if you can individually take out one by one, it's just going to get the, the river flowing or if you're like breaking down the dam. Um, so they're definitely, obviously over the years, there were a few tough cookies to crack to try to get them to buy in and, um, and believe in what we're doing. But as we were basically, we're at the point now every year where, uh, so coming in this fall, this will be the first year where every single person on the team I recruited or had contact with prior, uh, to them showing up to campus where for the past four years, it's been a group of kids who. Um, half I recruited and half uh, were here when I, I got here. Um, so it'll be, it's the definitely the beginning of the change of every single kid that will be on the roster this coming year is someone I had contact with before they arrived on campus. Now, did that sort of, um, with the kids that you didn't have in, weren't in contact with, did that change, did that sort of 
alter your relationship in the beginning as um, the coach athlete relationship? I would say for a few, because um, so the, the freshmen that showed up, uh, or sorry, the freshmen that were there when I showed up, they didn't know any different. So they came in almost as if they were somewhat recruited. Um, they, they showed up day one under my system, under my rules per se of what, what I expected and um, what they should expect, expect of each other, where there are obviously some who had previous coaches, had previous ideas on how things should work. So it just took a little bit to get them to turn, but eventually it went in the right direction and, and started to build. Not only, um, as we just mentioned, your short tenure in Emmitsburg, you've had a tremendous success, but you were also quite the successful runner at Villanova uh, and in high school in Hampton, Connecticut. As a student athlete at Villanova, two-time All-American in the DMR and an individual Big East champion in the 800. And, but really sort of high school was where, you, where your success started to blossom, anchoring three national championships, relays, the uh, distance medley relay, and um, the 4 by 800 and one that really sort of, I guess, for me, when I was get, being recruited, stand out to me, of course, the 2010 New Balance Nationals 4x8 was, you, you don't have to be a mid-distance runner to sort of get inspired by that. So now that you're a coach, have you taken what you've learned at Villanova and what you've learned in high school and applied it to your athletes at the Mount? Yeah, um, I would definitely say uh, kind of my, my mentors – uh, from high school and college it's always it's always team first <clears throat> where you can get the in track obviously it's very individualistic um, but I'm a big obviously you can see from my credentials a lot of my a lot of my big successes came with three other guys on a team with me so I kind of carry the try to carry that into my coaching life now and that just team first I'm a big believer that people will always run harder for other people than themselves so I think that's why a lot of times you see crazy performances on relays that you don't normally see in open events and then especially in cross country uh you got you're running for the six other ladies or men on the line with you and I always believe a kid will run harder um for other people than himself so um I try to take that with me that was from my my mentors in uh Bryce Lindemood in high school and then Marcus O'Sullivan at, at uh, Villanova they, they were definitely team first guys, so that definitely has carried over tremendously into my coaching career now. So you've, you've touched base on your coaches and your mentors. Did you, did you ever take what you've learned from competitions, from competitors, from different schools or um, other teammates to the Mount? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was very lucky in high school, I think luckier than most. Um, I'm pretty pretty much from like the same coaching tree per se. I mean, uh, so Tom Donnelly, he's a coach at Haverford College in Philly. Um, he was uh, my coach, my Villanova coach's professional coach, who is Marcus O'Sullivan. He's broken 400 times. Um, but then Tom also coached Sidney Marie and numerous other athletes who were world record holders in the 1500, 5K. Um, so just a vast knowledge there that I was able to obtain. Um, and then my high school coach actually ran for Tom Donnelly at Haverford College back in the 90s. So just the, I felt like I kind of had a step ahead than most people on this. I can reach out to these people and ask them questions and get feedback on what's wrong, what's right, what they think. And then not only that, at Villanova, I had the pleasure of, I mean, multiple of my teammates have run in Olympic finals. They, they train professionally now, sponsored by different shoe companies um, and in different groups where I'm able to kind of reach out, see what they're doing in the weight room, see what they're doing on the track, things like that, where it's definitely a, a privilege and an advantage to, to see those things and uh, see what the best in the world are doing. So we, we, we've sort of touched base in the early goings about the, how influential the class of 2020 has been. Really, they, sort of, they, they etched their 
names into the history books at the at the mount. Maybe not for um, some in terms of times and marks, but really because they were the first recruiting class of the Fitzsimons era, if you will, and really sort of you saw them, you saw that class really begin to turn the corner. Uh, maybe not so much in the beginning years, but um, when juniors, when they became juniors and seniors, they definitely did. Uh, notable athletes, of course, Jonathan Johnson, Jonah Smith, Mitch Bulacek, Madeline Cole, and then, of course, getting grad transfer, um, Aaron Jascott. How much of a role has those athletes played in guaranteeing long-term success um, for this program? Yeah, I mean, I think pretty massive. Like I said, touched on a little bit before, how they came in almost as kind of recruited athletes. They didn't know any other coach at the Mount. So it was easy. It was quick and easy for those guys to buy in. And they were great. I mean, it's someone like Jonah Smith who came in as a five-minute miler in high school and then finished being able to run basically five-minute miles for five miles. Um, just mm. uh, day one coming in, buying in, um, working his tail off for for four years and, and having a great senior year. And then similarly, John Johnson and Mitch um, and Maddie watching, watching them place higher and higher every year uh, in the NEC championships and, and then even scoring opportunities and things like that. It was, uh, they definitely got the ball rolling here and it's a debt to them that it's going to, going to keep rolling. Definitely. Um, you've seen sort of sw making like a uh, comparison to this, you see in the collegiate ranks, a program like Oregon or Colorado or, in your case, Villanova, who has maintained tremendous success long term. That sort of sort of separates the good coaches from the great and historic coaches that have sort of and like the Hall of Fame coaches, don't you think? Yes, exactly. I think it just it goes back to culture. Um, just getting the kids who want to see how fast they can run and buying in, and definitely those coaches do a great job of creating a an atmosphere of welcoming and winning and winning uh, traditions. During our talk, you've said so much about the team aspect of um, a program, how that sort of really makes the success train keep going. And you've seen during your tenure, you've seen a lot of postseason success, the 2018 outdoor track and field title, 2018 title with the men's cross country team, and most recently the 2019 title with the women's indoor team. Which was the most memorable title and why? A little biasly, I, I would say the cross one, obviously. Um, we, <laughs> yeah. We were able to knock down a team that won uh, nine straight, I believe, at the time. Um, so that was pretty in the cold. It was in a basically a hurricane and uh, everybody showed up and, and did their part. And uh, it was great to see the guys come together that day and get it done. Um, but a close second is the out 2018 track outdoor track men's win with basically it came down to the four by four we had no idea really where we were and it was kind of a shock going into the four by four that we, we uh, could win. I think we ended up winning by one or two points. Um, so that was a pretty, pretty cool day to be a part of. And I, I remember watching um, the cross country championships and remember seeing you come into the frame, tackling coach Phillips and <laughs> which was uh, definitely gave us all, a, a lot of laughs. What was sort of the moment, when you knew when athletes like Nick Fransham, Isaac Cole, Ben Finnegan, what was the moment you knew that the Mountaineers had captured the title? I would say when Mitch came around the turn, I mean, at Bryant, it, it's a sloping turn onto their turf field. Um, and then I just knew he had to 
stay in front of the Wagner and the St. Francis guys. And then basically when, yeah, when I knew we had put five in front of most people's fours, um, we were, we had uh, sealed the deal. Now um, you've seen tremendous amounts of team success, but also individual success has not been, um, has been something that has come easy um, as a coach in 2018, one of your athletes, Will Merritt, um, has, who has seen tremendous amounts of success in the NEC and at the Mount and on the bigger stage. He competed for the U.S. in the World Junior Championships in the 10K. And not, not, not so much did this prove he was uh, capable of doing that, but he, that's also proved you were um, – has proved sort of a huge success in your coaching career. What was it like seeing one of your athletes run on the biggest stage in, in track? Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty cool to see. Um, it's kind of a it might be a once in a lifetime opportunity type thing. It's not I feel like people like will come along uh, not very often, but um, it was pretty pretty awesome to see to see one of your athletes compete in a USA uniform. Um, and all the credit to him, he he had a pretty tough year that year transferring in, and just it was pretty awesome to get him to his equilibrium and, and level, and happy being back running again and uh, enjoying it. And he was able to see some success and compete against uh, the best U20 kids in the world. But yeah, it was, I hope, I hope I, or I wish I could say it, w- it would happen all the time, but obviously that's not the case. And <laughs> it was really cool to help him out with that. If you look into the team room at the Mount, you can see sort of the rich history of running, especially when the Mount was at the division two level. Do you feel somewhat like it's your duty to sort of, now that you've sort of turned a new leaf and made the program into what it is today, do you feel sort of obligated to sort of keep that tradition, the winning tradition alive? Uh, yeah. I mean, being a part of the track and field coaches um, here at the Mount, I mean, we, we pride ourselves on graduating great young men and women, but obviously part of that is uh, showing up every day and competing to be the best you can be. We obviously looking back at those record boards and things like that, there's some crazy, crazy performances in the late eighties and early nineties. I'm not sure if some of them will ever be touched, but obviously we're going to try to strive every day to, to get as close as we can. Going back to the individual success, touching on the ladies' side, I, I remember watching this race. Erin um, Jaskot, her kick in the 3,000 to pass and edge out the um, central girl and it eventually making it onto flow track. And, of course, Matt, Maddie Cole and Clark Cooper also playing a uh, crucial role in that indoor title. What was was it cool to sort of see um, one of your athletes on flow track? Yeah, that was a that was a special moment for for Erin. I mean, she's been through a lot, and uh, to see her come back like that, um, I mean, because she had a a wild weekend that weekend. Um, I normally don't like to do things like that, but she was down to do a pretty ridiculous triple of the 800, 3K, and DMR. Um, probably mm-hmm. a triple that couldn't be done in many other conferences, but. Um, <laughs> The but yeah to watch her close I'm thinking pretty close to 30 for that last lap and dip at the line to get the win um, and get the NEC title was was definitely pretty exciting another one of those moments of me jumping over a barrier uh, <laughs> uh, to congratulate her but yeah and then that women's championship in general was awesome because they were they were just so gracious with watching the men win and then the men win again in cross country um, so it was awesome to see those ladies get get what they deserved and and all their hard work pay off. Now, sort of staying on the topic of um, Aaron, was it, is it cool to sort of see, um, or was it cool to see now that she's often graduated, 
was it cool to see one of your athletes come from your alma mater? Yeah, I mean, um, it was definitely an experience for her, and I'm glad. Like, she had a a pretty unhealthy time period at Villanova. She just wasn't injured a lot and not not performing what the way she wanted to. So it was great to to watch her come to the mount and kind of come full circle. And it was great we had that connection from Villanova. I was just glad I could could help her get to back, get to the goals she wanted to achieve sort of coming full circle your individual success your athletes your team success has this ever has this made you think to maybe build the culture more at the mountain in the future build the successful culture or take your coaching talents to the next level let's say power five school or the professional level at the moment uh, I don't plan on taking my talents to South Beach or anything the I'm just continuing to uh, do what I can here at the mount especially coronavirus um yeah, it seems definitely. like the mount the, the mount is probably one of the safest places to be in terms of job uh security i mean a lot of state schools are cutting programs and looking for how to save money uh in their bottom line um which luckily that's not the case at the mount where we're an integral part of the school and uh the administration supports us and gives us everything we need to be successful so honestly um at the moment it's it's a pretty good place to be so Moving forward, yeah, just continuing to grow that program, bring in kids who want to see how fast they can run and uh, keep having fun with it. Awesome. And you you brought up, of course, the, a lot of schools are cutting programs, whether it be baseball, cross country, track has definitely taken a hit. In terms of the cross country and track programs, we know uh, Central Michigan cut their program. Brown just reinstated it. What are your thoughts on the uh, track and cross country programs being uh, cut at the schools. Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, it's, it's sad in that they're in most cases track and field is a plus to a university in terms of bottom line. I mean, it's minimum, minimum financial risk uh, in comparison to other team sports um, and scholarship. Uh, I mean, a lot of programs basically produce profits for their universities. So it's interesting to see the choices that they make. Um, obviously, when you see it at the state school level, it comes from a, a state budgetary view, where from a NEC perspective, a lot of middle, uh, small private schools, um, we, are, we do help enrollment at schools and uh, that's lucky for us. But yeah, I, I, hope, uh, I hope all of this gets figured out here in the next year or so hopefully those programs are brought back um, but yeah it's just tough to see I mean that's lost jobs um, a lot of kids who got to change up their life uh, to transfer to different schools if they still want to run and it's uh, it's not great but um, the NCAA has done good things within helping kids transfer making it easier helping kids be where they want to be to be happy and run well so um, that's also good to see. Yeah, we've sort of addressed the elephant in the room, the coronavirus pandemic. Of course, you can't go anywhere without seeing it. It's sort of affected every single aspect of life. Collegiate sports are no exception. It doesn't discriminate against that. And I I remember the 2020 outdoor track season being canceled. That was I, – I think anyone in any sport can see the sort of the distraught it caused. And, of course, it was a season where the Mount was once again in the running for – NNEC title. What was your thoughts, your initial thoughts, when you heard the the that the 2020 outdoor season was canceled? Um, at that time, it was it was pretty whirlwind. I mean, you basically it went from a lot of schools sending kids home, but then athletes were allowed still to be on campus, and it just we thought it was pretty weird and didn't really make sense from a 
logistics standpoint how this was going to work and then all of a sudden obviously we I mean we were sitting in an athletic department meeting discussing how to move forward when mm -hmm. I believe the Big Ten pulled people pulled like Nebraska off the court at halftime and then that's when we were like okay this is this is done but yeah it was just a kind of a feeling of shock and basically just uh felt heartbroken for the seniors who lost out on their last opportunity because going in you you don't realize this that was gonna or your last indoor race was gonna be one of your last collegiate races ever so that was that was tough to see but uh for those who wanted to take it they simply granted that you're back but uh but for some obviously they they want to get on with life and, and get jobs and, and start families and things like that so uh, it was tough to see them uh, just hurt over over the season being cut. Now, um, of course, as a coach, one of your biggest duties is recruiting that builds sort of the longevity and the sustained success of the program. Does, do you think that the coronavirus is going to affect how you go about recruiting for years to come? Because, of course, like right now, at least, the NCAA dead period is, is um, extended. So how, yeah. how do you go about um, that? It's going to be pretty interesting uh, with not being – able to have kids on campus from like pure statistics it helps I don't know the exact number I probably have it somewhere in an excel file of, of kids who visit campus versus kids who commit but getting kids on campus is a huge part of the recruiting process where zoom calls phone calls they're they're great you can get to know me uh, but in terms of getting on campus and getting a real feel for what it's like to be there on the day-to-day -day and meeting the team that you'll be a part of and joining um, to get their vibe and their what they their thoughts and stuff like that without that it's going to be it's going to be tough to handle but we are I mean basically most of our last 60 days um, a lot of meetings trying to figure out how to navigate this new world we're in and putting forth measures and basically schedules on how we can do this once uh, once we're allowed to have students on campus and make sure they fit CDC protocol and um, everything is compliant and structured the same way across campus definitely will be interesting now, the incoming class of 2024, of course, you've got to see sort of a, a majority of them um, on campus before all of this coronavirus pandemic happened in March. What are sort of the things we can see from the incoming freshman class on the guys and girls side? Yeah, I mean, a pretty large class. Um, it'll be, I, I hope that we can get on campus this fall. Um, that'd be, because then that instantly indoctrinates them into the, the culture we already have and helps grow that where uh, obviously, as I'm sure you know, the summer, the summer isn't easy. You're running a lot alone, and especially with all the social distancing protocols and things like that. It, uh, I think the sooner we can get on campus, the better to get them involved and ball rolling. Now, um, you mentioned coming back in the fall with obviously the cross-country seasons in limbo. Has, has sort of this pandemic given you time to sort of go back to the drawing board, if you will, and sort of reevaluate your coaching methods to take them back to your athletes? Yeah, a lot of probably what I did in April and May. I don't even know how many hours of webinars I watched. On, uh, <laughs> it was, it's pretty great. I mean, the uh, technology has definitely its pitfalls, but also its perks. Um, a, lot of, a lot of great content was being put out across the internet on Twitter and stuff like that, coaches hosting webinars. I mean, I, I, I'd say actually a lot of what I was watching was actually kind of sprint speed, speed power stuff because I feel like I always get stuck in this echo chamber of distance running. Um, so try to just see the opposite side of how to implement sprints for distance runners and stuff like that. Uh, so that was great to see and has definitely, definitely made me look at my philosophies and tweak some things and uh, just help me put some more tools in the toolbox to, to help uh, student athletes run as fast as they can.
Now, if a cross-country season is to happen in the fall, what do you expect, like, in terms of what's sort of the outlook for the men's and women's team in terms of the overall conference? I think going in, I mean, obviously coming into this year, we were looking to finish as high as possible uh, at the conference championship. I think basically we're at the point now where on that day for both sides, we can show up and have an opportunity to win, um, which is a great place to be. That hasn't always been the case. And basically any, any win do need some luck um, as much as talent and hard work plays a part in it. So coming in, I'm just happy to be uh, in the swinging for a title on, on that day. Definitely. Uh, well, Coach Fitzsimmons, it's always a pleasure talking with you. It'll be exciting to see how the Mountaineers adapt to a potentially altered cross-country season and beyond. Uh, wishing you nothing but more championships and success in uh, Emmitsburg. Uh, for NEC Now, I'm Sam Barber, and have a great day.